0: Hello and welcome to the American Thoracic Society Breathe Easy Nursing Assembly podcast. My name is Nina Bracken from the Nursing Assembly Web Committee. In these podcasts, we interview leading clinicians and researchers and ask them to share their perspectives on topics related to nursing and pulmonary and critical care. Today, I am pleased to be joined by Drs. Tanya Von Vistje and Asha Devereaux, who will lead today's podcast on integrative therapies in respiratory disease. Dr. Tanya Von Vijay, is an experienced clinician with 30 years' experience as an ICU nurse and a clinical nurse specialist. Her research focuses on the management of patients living with pulmonary hypertension. Her research goals involve identifying the best approaches to incorporating self-care integrative practices in real-world healthcare settings, benefiting patients with chronic conditions. Dr. Von Viste is an NRSA T32 postdoctoral fellow at the University of Buffalo and has served as a co-chair of the ATS Nursing Assembly Integrative Therapies Workgroup since 2014. Dr. Asha Devereaux completed her medical degree in biology from the University of California, San Diego, followed by her MD and MPH from Tulane University School of Medicine and Public Health. Upon graduation, she served in the United States Navy for 11 years. In addition to her private practice of medicine, she has achieved certification in holistic medicine and is currently the co-chair of the American Thoracic Society's Integrative Therapies Workgroup. She has published extensively and is currently focused on increasing awareness of the importance of integrative therapies as complementary adjuncts in the care of pulmonary patients. It is a pleasure to have you both with us today. To get started in the introduction to integrative therapies, can you tell us what integrative therapies are?
1: Yes, thank you so much, Nina. Um, Integrative therapies are non-Western practices that one can use to augment the current medical treatment to help in self-care management practices. So the term "integrative" is synonymous with complementary that refers to using the therapy together with whatever your healthcare practitioners prescribe for you So if and when integrative therapy is used to replace the medical treatment, it is not called integrative, but rather alternative therapy. So the distinction is really based on how you use it rather than what therapies you are choosing to use. Um, Another point I want to bring up is that uh, the terminology. In the current practice, we do not use the term alternative anymore, but rather integrative or complementary. However, if you do research, um, you may come across terminology such as complementary and alternative medicine or abbreviate as CAM Um, if you, you know, do literature search um, dating back December 2014. So in addition to that, the NIH um, part that focuses on integrated therapy research used to be called NCAM, which is NC. C-A-M, National Complementary, um, National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine. Uh, th- that terminology has been changed to NCCIH, or Complementary and Integrative Health. Um, and there's a web link that we will post um, on the reference after this podcast that you can certainly log into and review and it. So that's... Um, pretty much the broad definition or the broad approach of integrative therapy. So given this broad definition, you can see that integrative therapies can encompass many types of practices. Some of them we've heard of and some of them we not, may, may not even heard of. However, have been daily practiced in certain cultures for many, many years. So for the sake of our discussion here, what we will focus on are the three categories of integrative therapies outlined by the NCCIH. So this is a center within the National Institute of Health that breaks down the integrative practices into three categories. Um, the first one being the natural product, the second one is the mind-body practice, and the other practices will be the third category that doesn't quite fit into the first two groups. So an example of natural products would be herbal supplements, vitamins, minerals, probiotics. An example of mind-body therapies would be things like yoga practice, tai chi, qigong, acupuncture, hypnotherapy, chiropractic, and meditation, um, as well as osteopathic manipulation. So, and then the third category would be the practices that do not fit into the first two, as I mentioned, such as energy healing, Reiki, traditional Chinese medicine, and Ayurvedic practices. So that's uh, the overall description of what we're talking about as integrated
2: therapy. So this is Asha Davaro, uh-huh. and... Uh, we would also like to point out sometimes how um, these are integrated into our Western approach in medicine. An example may be if a doctor prescribes an antibiotic to treat acute bronchitis in the setting of underlying COPD. You may incorporate mindful breathing practices to help somebody with the secondary anxiety or dyspnea. The antibiotic and inhalers would be the primary medical treatment And the mindfulness breathing exercise could be considered an integrative therapy used in conjunction with mainstream medicine. With time, the mindful breathing activity may actually improve inhaler adherence as well as absorption and may find that the patient decreases their need for rescue inhaler use. Probiotics may be recommended as an adjunct to the antibiotic prescription in order to decrease side effects of the antibiotics. And this also could be considered a natural supplement and an integrative therapy.
0: Great. Thank you both. This is extremely helpful in establishing a foundation for our listeners. And can you also tell us what are not considered integrative therapies? Yes.
1: Um, So with the plethora of health benefits claims of many devices, supplements and IV vitamins, hormone therapies, supplement, cream, sprays, and other sham providers, it is quite challenging to be able to tell uh, which are integrative therapies and which are not. Most of these products are tested without randomized control trials to show the benefits. Many are tested in animals only. So, for example, there are so many types of dietary supplements with known or unknown side effects. Some may have untoward interactions with medication that your doctors prescribe for you. And these are things that you need to consider, and if possible, with your clinician's expert recommendation. So we would like to caution against using non-scientific-based, expensive, or invasive procedure under the guise of integrated therapies. For example, stem cells. Peak. Um, we would also like to emphasize that if you are using integrative practice to replace conventional treatment, the therapies become alternative and not integrated, which can be harmful. So using complementary approach without the knowledge of your physician or against your physician's advice can be unsafe and can be harmful, as I said. Um, another important point we want to bring to your attention is that whatever integrated practice you're exploring or using, please share it with your physicians every time you visit uh, your provider, To make them aware of what you're using and, and that there may be physical or drug supplemental interactions, this way they can help you to ensure that whatever you're using is not interfering with the medical treatment.
0: Perfect. And speaking of sharing with your clinical provider, how can you tell our listeners how you would recommend incorporating integrative therapies into their clinical practice or potential self-care for our our patient listeners as well? Thank you. Um, That's a great
2: question. Um, There The National Center for Integrative Health has aimed to provide rigorous research data for integrative therapies, and they're a great website as a resource because often patients generate the question for doctors, and we have to go and look those things up. It's always important to have reliable and reputable sources to refer to quickly so that you can answer your patients right then and there. The ATS and our integrative therapies work group have published a nice patient education sheet for um, our uh, patients that would be easy to copy or reference for them, and we'll provide that at the end of this um, podcast and on the website. We also recommend focusing on websites associated with academic environments, and we as a working group have also uh, vetted and created a list of reliable websites on the American Thoracic Society's uh, webpage under the integrative therapies um, section. It, we also need to be clear on what is the purpose of our therapy. Is it for symptom management, pain, anxiety, sleep, breathlessness? There are so many different therapies across all of these categories, and we want to be able to tailor it to the patient preference. You may want to just pick one modality and slowly incorporate it into your practice and see what works for your, your patients. It's also important for us to um, be open to our patients so that they can, um, we can do some research for them on their behalf.
1: Right. And that's a very important point. Thank you, Asha, to bring it up, is to be open to um, patients questioning about these therapies. Um, we keep an open mind and be aware and be curious about what they are exploring and what they are using and be able to guide patients in the right way. So I just want to broaden the description that Asha provides about successful integration of integrated therapy into your practice, not only picking the right intervention or the right therapy that would work for you and evidence-based, but also things that are, uh, feasible for you to do and acceptable to your way of life. Um, and I just want to share a little bit of an example about how I personally incorporate integrated therapy into my way of life. Now, as a nurse for many years, I suffer chronic low back pain. Um, and when I was employed at a different institution, I had. I was eligible for a complimentary health benefit of $2,000 a year, which is really, really a nice way of taking care of this staff. I was able to receive once a month acupuncture treatment for this low back pain, um, particularly for symptoms, for pain symptoms. Um, and I participated in Tai Chi practice about twice a week at the local community health center and performed um, gentle stretch every morning. So the practice helped me to alleviate the symptom severity of the pain, and I was able to reduce my intake of medication, and at that time, it was basically the non-steroidal inflammatory drugs such as Motrin, by 50%. Um, now, I only take it occasionally. So, these two integrative approaches um, were very helpful to me and make my life a lot easier to manage, and I was able to work, and I was able to do things that I needed to do in my duty as a nurse. Now, I don't have that financial benefit anymore. However, because it became part of my life, I continue to do morning stretch, and I make a conscientious effort of sitting much less um, often, you know, for a prolonged period of time, and I also participate in body training to strengthen my core muscles, which help to maintain my health and wellness. So you can see that there are many ways to participate and use integrative therapies based on your preference, suitability, and your available resources. The bottom line is that you have to choose what is best for you, and you are the best person to choose what is the right approach to incorporate integrative therapy.
0: Great. Thank you, Tanya, for that personal experience. So, building on that, in your experience, have you found that other clinicians and patients find integrative therapies helpful? Yes,
1: Um, and they are key approaches that have been well validated and supported by research clinical trials. Um, And I'm just going to point out to primarily a few here that we have the most evidence. Now, there's evidence that Some of them can be helpful, and some treatment may be covered by insurance, perhaps, such as acupuncture for pain relief. Um, Additionally, yoga practice has shown to improve strength, mobility, and flexibility among older adults when practiced regularly. Uh, Mindfulness practice has also demonstrated effectiveness in stress reduction and anxiety reduction. Now, I just want to point out that there is a difference between Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, or MBSR, and Mindfulness-Based Intervention. So the MBSR is more regimented and generally lasts about two hours per session. And often practiced weekly for eight weeks duration. Mindfulness-Based Interventions are generally shorter in duration and can range from a simple body scanning practice to a meditation with various length of practice time so even meditation can be practiced together with daily routine i mean there are things such as mindful walking mindful breathing and mindful eating so research is research is ongoing with regards to identifying what type of mindful-based mindful, mindful base intervention would be adequate in dose and duration to impact the outcome that patient is seeking for. Um, they're exploring uh, mobile apps, mindfulness, um, and a shorter duration, maybe on-site at work area to practice. So, you know, these are ongoing. But... Overall, the based intervention has gained popularity and we are accumulating evidence, speaking to the effectiveness of the intervention. So, you know, it is a way of life, or it changed one's outlook to help with the stress reduction. Again, it comes back to what will work for you. Research showed that more time you spend practicing integrated mind body practice, the easier it becomes and more embedded. The practice becomes part of your daily routine, which all can lead to um, beneficial outcomes.
0: Great, thank you, Tanya. Dr. Devereux, can You're you welcome. speak towards any integrative therapy potential harmful effects? Yes,
2: there are, there are a couple that come immediately to mind. Uh, for example, if um, Patients are using turmeric. There, it may augment uh, the drug effect of Coumadin or Chacralinus, so that needs to be um, monitored and discussed with the provider. So it can prove harmful in increasing your bleeding risks. Um, some integrative therapies should be considered, or most integrative therapies should be considered like a form of medicine to achieve the benefits of the medication, it must have evidence to support that specific condition, which we are working to develop a body of research. Um, an example may be aspirin, um, which is pro- given to patients following a heart attack, but it growing bodies of evidence have now proven that not everybody needs an aspirin a day, and it may actually prove harmful. Regarding Um, Other integrative therapies, some patients have side effects from melatonin for insomnia, um, and that can be harmful if they are having significant problems with it. Um, It may also not be effective if they are um, having other reasons for not falling asleep, such as stress or too much caffeine prior to bedtime. So it's very important to have a proper conversation with your provider um, regarding using the supplements because you, some of those are just not panacea. But, um, and it is very important to have, be open to providing every physician you encounter with what practices or supplements you are using because it's not just your primary provider.
0: Great. Well, thank you both. This has been a pleasure having you. This concludes our podcast. Um, Tadia, Asha, thank you for being with us. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. You have just heard an introduction to integrative therapies. This is part one of a three-part series on integrative therapies in respiratory disease. References and links referred to in this podcast can be found on the ATS podcast webpage, and if there are any questions or comments related to this podcast, or you would like to make suggestions for future topics, please contact the Nursing Assembly at nursing@thoracic.org. This is Nina Bracken and our integrative therapies experts signing off.